All right, welcome everybody. Welcome, and as you can see, I'm not Pastor Ray, but I just have a couple of announcements for you guys. Welcome. Glad to see everybody come out to Calvary Young Adults. We're starting a new year. I'm excited. Let's be a generation that seeks his face. I love that. We ended with that song. Um, so tonight, we're going to start off. We have Pastor Ray uh, blessing us with a teaching. We're going to be doing a series in First Peter. So tonight, uh, Pastor Ray will be doing... Uh, First Peter chapter 1, and each week we're going to be covering a different chapter. Next week we have uh, Pastor Robert. Uh, Pastor Robert's going to be sharing with us next week as we continue on uh, again through uh, the book of First Peter. Um, we will be meeting here all throughout January, as Pete mentioned, every week here. And then starting in February, the first and third Thursday, we will be here. Every other week we'll be at the home groups. Um, speaking of home groups, they're going to start back up the second week of February because the first week we'll be here. Uh, but I want to take an opportunity to uh, introduce our leaders. So if you guys are, oh, let's go in order. So first we have uh, John and Julia. All right, there's John and Julia. So they have a, a home group. Um, you guys are in Monroe, right? Then we have uh, Andy and Jess. Wait, hold your applause for a second. Happy anniversary, Andy and Jess. They are... Uh, they are also home group leaders, and actually, John, can you please stand up? John uh, has been leading their study at their, at their home group, uh, also in Monroe. Um, John and Deborah, where are you guys? All right, stand up. They are also, uh, they have a home group in Englishtown. Uh, then we have, uh, Kate and I have a home group at our house that is led by this guy here. Rob, stand up. <laughs> Uh, we're in Matawan, and then Pete, in the back there, Pete leads a, uh, a home group for men. That's every other Saturday here at the church. So you guys, if you haven't already signed up, you should sign up. Um, then we're going to start having some more opportunities for you guys to get out there. One is this Saturday. So before we have Pastor Ray share with us, we have an opportunity to help his church, the Rock Christian Fellowship, uh, with a new location that they're working on up in Newark Saturday morning. If you're not already signed up, please sign up. We're going to uh, clean up, do whatever we can to help uh, spend a few hours together. We'll be meeting at the church at 8.30 to leave for 9, and we should be back at the church by about 3. Um, this weekend, if you get a chance... We're going to have a table. Stop by and say hello. Every service, there will be a young adults table to uh, hopefully give some more exposure to the young adults ministry. We also have, if you look on the back table there, there's a uh, QR code and some t-shirts. So we have now young adults t-shirts, some merchandise that so you guys can uh, hit the QR and, and you can um, uh, buy one. There's also a sweatshirt on there, I think. Um, and then lastly, this Saturday or this Sunday night, um, is prayer and praise. How many of you guys actually go out to prayer and praise? Sometimes. All right. With some of these, right? Come out to prayer and praise. Um, I'll actually be leading um, just the Devo for that night, but also I would like to see that we all come together more in prayer. We're part of this church body, so if we could join for prayer and praise, that would be great. I invite you guys out. That's enough of me. Pastor Ray, uh, again, from the Rock Christian Fellowship. Come on up. We're blessed to have him share with us. up everybody how's everybody doing come on y'all had to talk to me like how y'all doing like <laughs> you know, just did them like this is not a catholic church the last time i checked i mean 
Look, um, you got Bibles, 1 Peter, 1 Peter, chapter 1, chapter 1. I'm not the chapter and verse teacher, right? But um, I love the challenge. Um, there's so much here. And um, I've taught through this book numerous times. And, um, you know, it's interesting as you walk through this, like, you could spend weeks in chapter 1. But I do believe God has a word for us tonight, and, um, and so I just want to just pray and see what God has. Father, we just thank you for the night. Thank you for this time. We can come together, and um, I thank you for these young adults, Lord, and those serving alongside of them, um, willing to just come out and gather on this Thursday night, God, and I just pray that you would just uh, speak to our hearts, meet us here. We're so grateful that we get to come together, be in your word, uh, be encouraged by it, challenged, convicted, Lord. Um, we just pray that you would go before us. There's nothing I can say um, unless your spirit breathes on it, God, and so I just ask that you would um, speak to the depths of our hearts right where we are. And um, be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Um, title of the message, See It Before You See It. See it before you see it. Um, you know, if you've gone through Peter before, you know it's, um, it's living above the challenge, changes, and circumstances of life. Um, you see the theme here is um, salvation, submission, and suffering. And I guess I would just start off by just asking a simple question. Um, I know it's the new year, but um, whether you transition from January to February or you transition from December to January, life still is life and it still goes on. And so I would ask, is there anybody in the room that right now, presently, right now, you're in a trial, you're in a, a challenging time, testing times. How many people by a show of hands, not ashamed, but just honestly, raise them high. Not like, you know, like put them up there. I ain't going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to call you up here. All right? I promise you. Right. So hold your hands up high. That's, that's like almost half the room. You see that there? And, and, and how many, how many, like, I'm going to just ask you a question and you can say it, yell it out like one at a time. Um, how, how many days you've been going through your trial? About. Can you give it a number? Yeah, you, sis, in the back. Is it years? Is it months? Years? Okay. Somebody else? Months? Right? There's timelines to these trials, but sometimes we're asking, when are they going to end? And, um, and sometimes God's really trying to put his finger right on that, like stop counting the days, stop trying to figure out when's it going to end, and see me in the midst of it. Trials. Trials have a good purpose. They grow us, they stretch us. But this is the other part I want to do right now. There was people that had their hands up, and then there were people that did not have their hands up. And I want to ask the people that didn't have their hands up, to go to someone that they saw their hand up. And I just want to rally around them and pray with them for a few minutes. Oh, you were ready to write and take notes and underline. Yeah, I got you. But I, I tell you what, 
you know, one of my favorite writers, Tozer, say, you know, you, you, we need to pray first, right? You could do a lot, but you could do so much more once you've prayed. And, and I believe this is a body here. You know, I'm, I'm going to leave tonight, and I'm going to be in Newark. I'm going to see some of y'all on Saturday, and I don't know the next time I'm going to see you. Hopefully they invite me back. But this is a body here. And there's some people that's had some trials, and, and this is the truth, right? You might be coming out your trial, but you might be not in a trial right now, but one day you'll be in a trial, and you'll be wishing somebody was praying for you. So this is how I want you to pray, right? When you go around that person right now, I want you to pray like it's your own issue. I want you to pray with expecting hearts, right? I don't just, oh, you know, pray for my sister, my brother. God, you know the issue. Look, pray like, like it was your last opportunity on earth that you were praying for someone. That's what you call intercession prayer. It's not weird, you know, like I'm not going to be walking around throwing nobody on the ground. Y'all don't got to worry about that. But prayer, there is power in prayer. And I think we've gotten away from that if we're being honest with ourselves. Because we don't see God cashing in so fast on the return when we invest in times of prayer. And so we get discouraged. And that's why one of the reasons why so many churches in America are empty at the prayer meeting, truth be told. And so I want to challenge us right now in this space, just go, 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 go to that person. Go and pray. We get to the Bible study, I promise you. Just pray. Yeah, put your hand back up if you didn't, um, if you didn't put it up high enough. Somebody going to come to you and pray. Just gather around someone. Just gather around someone. Just ask God to, to just pray and lead your words to pray for someone right now. Thank you, God. This is serious time. Like, this is... This is not fellowship, this is prayer. So be praying in the Holy Spirit. Who did? You did? Just continue to pray. I'm going to pray us in into this moment. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, for every heart that's being lifted up right now. We thank you for every person, Lord, that is calling on your name, Lord, on behalf of their brothers and sisters, Lord God. I pray, God, that as your ear bends down and hears the heart of your saints, Lord, that you would move on their behalf. Lord, that there would be faithfulness that is found in... Um, and just from your faithfulness, your hand, Lord, um, you are good. And, Lord, I pray that we would trust you through the storms. We just bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. And so I want to encourage you, like, 
as we gather back to our seats. There's some people you gathered around today, and um, perhaps they shared their burden with you or not, but I just um, I want to encourage you to follow on with that person. What do you mean by that? Well, you're gathering next week, or maybe even throughout the week, you just check in, say how, how are things going, or get an update, share a testimony of what God is doing in the midst of that very burden that you identified with tonight. And so, um, and maybe they could become your prayer partner, right? Um, if you don't have a prayer partner, I want to encourage you, it, it, it's a benefit to your life, right? Just somebody that you're just praying with regularly, whether it's once a week, whatever it is that is consistent, and you'll see the relationship that is just built through this, that, that prayer partner, um, we're in First Peter, pick up in verse 1. This is what I believe about tonight as we look at this. There's so much here, again, as I said before. But I believe God wants to ri- raise our sights up and out over our present challenges. And I, I don't mean to start this off morbidly, but truthfully, um, I believe the days are getting darker. I believe as I hold my Bible in my hand, there's a lot of hope. When I look into the world, there's a lot of hopelessness. I believe as we navigate through these days, um, there is deeper depression. There is deeper um, um, suicidal thoughts. It's wicked. I just think that the enemy is playing in minds, believers and non-believers alike, and and we're seeing people walk away from Jesus. We're seeing the a falling away, like the Bible says, would happen in the last days. Here, look, understand, as I, I think about this, I believe that there is a people that God is calling to stand up and to stand in the midst of their very trial. Not only in yours, but in the gaps for others. And so as we look at this, I think it's timely. Like I, This is separate from... Even the team here and Rob asking to come and share on this passage. I mean, just the things God's been showing me and as a church and, and what we've been walking through personally and, and as a little community, I, I tell you it's separate, but it's right on time. And so I pick up in verse 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus to the pilgrims of the dispersion of these Gentile areas, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. The first thing we see here is we see it's Peter the writer, and he says here, here he's writing to a church Obviously, when you go through the passage, they're going through trials, they're going through difficulties, but watch what he says. He says, number one, they are what? Pilgrims. And where are they? They are dispersed, and I want you to key in on this little word there, in this Gentile area. I I think as you think about this for yourself and you think of a pilgrim, what is it? It's it's someone that's a stranger or, or making temporary residence in a place. 
But he says specifically that these folks were placed in the Gentile community. Oh, I know a lot of times we like to stay around our church community and just get on in the ark because it's safe. It's like-minded people in there. And I know the world is dying and, and people are lost out there and they're crazy and, and all these things that we could just list them off. But God's placed you in this world for this time with a purpose amongst Gentiles. I know we Gentiles, you can get into that deep theology, but that's not what we're, I'm talking about people that are pagan, worldly, non-believers, people that are so left from your rightness. You're picking up what I'm putting down, okay. Look, (laughs) but he says here, look, hey, this is where you've been placed. And God has elected you or chosen. Yes, you are chosen. And he says here, he's chosen you according to the foreknowledge of God. We could spend a month on this topic. But he says in what? You've been chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father. What? In, say it with me, sanctification. Sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood. Here, I got to ask you as we look at this here, because there's purpose here. And we see the purpose is really to be salt and light amongst what? A dark generation. A dark people. Here, when we consider this, how do you see yourself? In this present time, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as, oh, I'm just a churchgoer. I'm just a Christian. No, you're not just a Christian. You're a Christian that God has fashioned and purposed and given purpose for a mission. And now the question is, how are we fulfilling that mission? Even in the midst, right? What happens like me, I'll be honest with you, when I face trials, what can happen? So easy. My eyes get off the mission and they turn inwardly. Oh, well, how can I get out of this? How long am I going to be in this? What's going to happen here? I'm going to try and figure it out. Here's the roadmap out. It's not it. It's funny. I've been reading a book by Gene Edwards. Gene Edwards is the one, you probably know the book, The Tale of Three Kings. Well, Gene Edwards wrote a book called The Hundred Days in the Secret Place. I actually got a group of men. We're praying through this. We're walking through it. But there's these, these little paragraphs of these people that wrote. And there's been some challenging things when you think about the cross of Christ that is just God putting his fingers right on areas in my heart, and it's convicting. And it's showing me how I love me. And really the route that I want to take is not the route that God wants to shape me in to have more Christ-likeness. And it's just so real and, yeah, if you want, you should, you should pick it up, I think. I mean, it's, it's Gensu knife. Like, it's try, try, try putting on your cutting board. You, oh, okay. God, help me. <laughs> it's convicting, but it's also hope. Because I do want to be more like Jesus. And here, understand this. When you look at your life, who are you? Are you just a passerby? Because that's where the pilgrim is. He's passing by. 
doesn't have great grips on this world. And here, do you see the place that God has put you in? He's put you in a job, perhaps. He's put you in a school, perhaps. He's put you in a family. Maybe some of you didn't grow up in a Christian household, but God's rescued you. He's delivered you from your sin and darkness, and you're amongst your family. You're like, man, I want out of here. God's saying, oh, 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 that's the mission. I've rescued you for this purpose right there in that house. Here, look, understand as you consider this for yourself, hey, again, You've been chosen, but it starts with sanctification of the Spirit. Do you know that God doesn't just want to use you with your giftings, but he wants you, your life, my life, to be set apart for his purposes? And here we see this. It's in the heart of, again, obedience. That's what the Spirit calls us, and that's what he does in us. He calls us to walk in obedience, and there's just this continuous cleansing of the blood of Christ, and praise the Lord that it's all by his grace. In verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom according to, notice, his abundant mercy have begotten us again to a, underline this, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Y'all like words like that? What's for me? I got something here for you. And notice what it says in verse 5, who are, what? Kept by the power of God. How? Through faith, for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We can be blessed or we can bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, because of the living hope that he has provided for us who have put our trust in him. And that hope has been attained, notice, according to, what does it say? His abundant mercy. When you look at the word mercy, it's pity, it's compassion, it's affection. It's also meaning his kindness. And I love what this brings out. It brings out the idea that God is drawn to you and desires for us to draw near to him so that he can care for us. Here, when you consider what the Lord has done for us in light of that, I wonder, how are you seeing God? How do you see God? Do you see him as a, a judging father, who are, or do you see him like one that has abundant mercy and has given us something through the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What did he give you? He gave you a living hope. And so no longer should we walk around hopeless. And there's a lot of believers. I want to encourage you. Lift your head a bit. See it before you see it. Jesus has given us a living hope. You have an inheritance. Well, you, you know... Maybe you got a, an, an inheritance here on earth. You know, your family, life insurance, and it's coming one day, but something has to happen first. You got to lose a loved one in order to get the inheritance. You don't have to worry about that. You got something so much better. You know, somebody say, oh, my retirement package is like no other. I can't wait. 
Because I live in Newark. I don't just do ministry in Newark. I live in Newark. I deal with a lot of headaches. That's another subject. I want to I spit my trials on y'all. But, but I do want to let you know that there is so much to look forward to. But remember, he's called us to obedience. And so how do you see God? You see him with this heart of compassion for you. Do you see that as you walk through, watch this, this inheritance that you have is incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it doesn't fade away. It remains the same. And here as you see this, how are you kept? By the power of God through faith. You're trying to keep and work up your salvation. You're trying to figure it out. Oh, God, I'm going to give you a little more effort. I'm going to do a little more praying. I'm going to do a little more reading. Not to do all that. There's doing. There's applying. But it starts with, hey, who am I? God, who do you say that I am? I know I could think about myself sometimes, and I think, like, man, this guy is whacked out. You might be sitting here thinking the same, but nonetheless, the truth of the matter is, hey, I need to see myself in light of what God has said about me, and I need to see God in light of his promises for me, and he's given me a living hope. I don't care how dark the days get, and they get dark, and they get real dark for me. I tell you what, the battle here for me in my head is crazy. I'm just being honest with you. That's where it starts. And the wheels start going. And you know what? If I don't lean into the presence of the Lord, I'm no good for myself or anybody else for that matter. And so what do I do? What do you need to do? Like, that's a reality, but, but what do you do through that? I pray today that you will see and, and something here will help us recognize. But we got to see who God is in light of that. He's given us a living hope. We possess this, and we need to learn. Here it is, verse 6. In this, you greatly rejoice. Here's some terms. Though now, how long? For a little while, if needs be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, that's presently, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith. The salvation of your soul. These are some big words. But they're so like one side to this side, no? Like you think of great exceeding joy and then you think of fiery trials. It's like, how do you do those both at the same time? I subscribe to you tonight. I believe you can't do this apart from the Holy Spirit. We need his presence, we need his power in order to walk through these things. He says we greatly rejoice because what we believe here, and, and notice what it says. How long is it? For a little while. 
Now, notice this word here, grieve, means to be distressed or afflicted with sorrow or sadness. But he uses a word here that says various, so it has multiple meanings to, watch this, temptation. Now, y'all young adults, right? And I know we in church, but I also know what temptations are like in our 20s. A little more than in your 40s and 50s and 60s and as you get older, you know, and settle in. In your 20s and your, your teens, you know, you have some various different kinds of temptation. And if you're honest with yourself, you don't have to be honest with me, but if you're honest with yourself and you identify, hey, you know what? I have different kinds of temptation. And some of them burn. And here we see something here. He says, look here. You can greatly rejoice over these things because what? Though now, presently, for a little while, if needs be. Now watch this. It says, even if you have to grieve. Now I know some people are like, yeah, when I go through trial, praise the Lord, I'm good. That, that's not the truth for me all the time. It starts with grieving a lot of times. Why I got to go through this? Why I had to have? You, you, that's not you? You, that you ain't been here? I want to talk to the real people for a few minutes, all right? That's me. And I've been walking with Jesus for as long as some of y'all are alive in this, built, in this room. That's my default. Then I have to realign myself with what God has spoken and what I believe. Hey, you know what? There's nothing in my life that doesn't come through the conduit of which Jesus has allowed. And so if I believe that, then you know what? I'm, I may get hit, and then I got to realign myself. And I got to speak the word over my life because he's given me a living hope. And so if his word is living and powerful and it's alive, then I could take this word and apply it to my present circumstance. Amen. I hope some of y'all really believe that. But look here, watch this. He's saying here, you can grieve when you go through trials. It's okay. I pray you got somebody to grieve with you. I pray that you got some, have somebody that, that can bear you, their, your burden with you. Here when you consider this here, look, hey, this is the point though. How have you seen your faith activated in the midst of your trial. Because it's real easy, like you look at this and say, like, God, why'd you have to use fire? You could have used any other element. Like, why fire? Well, can I give you a newsflash? If it was any other element, it would cause to hurt and be a trial. You'll still complain about it. Why couldn't you use water? Oh. It's like, <laughs> either way, it's still going to be a complaint. But fire hurts. But there's some benefits in fire. But here he's saying, hey, there's a purpose in this fiery testing that goes on. He's saying that the genuineness of your faith, watch this, being much more precious than gold. And here he's simply saying, and this is interesting, I looked this up, 
And, and, and what he's saying here is the metals back then, what they were trying to make sure of was that they weren't mixed with anything else like alloy, uh, aloe rims. You know, like rims, they, they say the aloe rims are cheaper. But what I discovered is aloe rims have a compound of different kinds of metals put together with them. And so it makes it more solid, hard. And here's the difference. Watch this. Mm. He's saying the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold. What he's saying is this. When there's not all the mixing, following this, you're more pliable and priable. You see here? Watch this. That's where God wants to keep us, bendable, flexible. I used to, you know, I did my last year of high school in Piscataway here, and they had a metal shop. And you would put the metal in the fire, and you would be able to bend it to the shape and form that you wanted it to take. And you see, that's the same reality where when you go through fiery trials, the Lord wants to meet you there, and he wants to, hey, Make sure the genuineness of your faith, when you got all that other stuff, you're feeding on the world and all of that, it's hard to bend because you're not broken. God wants to bend you and shape us as he desires to. And so you know what? He's saying, hey, when I put you through this test, it's for your genuineness of your faith, which is being much more better than gold. Look, say, hey, you could bend some gold, you could work with that metal, but this is way better. How about that? The genuineness of your faith. Where is it today? Have you seen your faith in action in the midst of your trial? Some of you, like I mentioned, or you've acknowledged, hey, I've suffered. I've been grieved. I'm lonely. Some ladies here, maybe you're lonely. Maybe, you know, you, you've had your eyes on some guy and you said, man, you know, I was praying and I thought God had him for me. Some guys might feel the same way. Oh, how are you with him? I'm so much better. Hey, you know what? You may be feeling that sense of loneliness. You may feel a sense of even shame in your life from some choices you have made in your past. Some of us walking around again with disappointment. That is leading you to sleep hours, not because you work hard and long, but because you're in a state of depression. But how about this? When I think about this, notice what it says in verse 7. It says, the testing of your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I understand this is talking about long term. But how true is this even presently for your life when God illuminates when he shows up and gives you revelation. Oh, that's why you didn't have me with that guy or that girl or in that situation. Oh, <laughs> praise the Lord, right? <laughs> praise on, hey, he yours forever, you know? Like, like then you rejoicing. But all before you was feeling this emotion and this emotion was leading you and directing you. And God's like, no, that's not what I have for you. I have so much more for you. 
Here, look, trust this here. Trust the process in this. Here, look, understand. Here's another thing I see here as you think about suffering and trials and difficulty. I want to challenge us here, even as Acts chapter 1 verse 3 talks about Jesus, it says, to whom he also, notice what he did, presented himself alive after the suffering. How do you present yourself through the suffering? And after the suffering, are you alive? Are you beat up? Here, look, hey, you know what? We're all going to go through trials and difficulties, but the truth of the matter is this. It's how we navigate through them. You see, because what it is is like you're building blocks on your life. Sometimes, you know, if you built with the wrong material, the truth of the matter, God got to tear it down in order to build it up. You keep trying to build on top of that, and God's like, nope, we're not moving until you break that down. And I need to break that down in order to get you where I desire you to be. And that's a hard process and it's a hard reality to accept. And some of us are trying to take the easy route, the detour route, when God's like, nope, right here. We don't move until here. And here's the lesson. You don't want to build your life on mess. Let him tear it down to rebuild it. So that he could pre- you could present yourself alive, right? If the Holy Spirit lives in you, if Christ lives in you, hey, you know what? How should we be presenting Jesus to this world? After we've gone through some suffering, there should be some praise. There should be some rejoicing. There should be some testimony. Hey, all of these things should be coming. It should definitely be alive. Oh, I'm going to the Bible study again on Thursday. You know, there's nothing else to do with my not. I'm going to sit here and watch. Click, click, click. No. I'm excited about the Lord, even in this age. I'm excited. Like, hey, God, there's some trying things. I, I don't want to do them, but then I, I see God working and pushing me forward, and I'm excited about them. Honestly, it's crazy. It's just as much as praise and rejoicing and, and fiery trials. Here, I wonder, you look at this hope that is found in verse 8. You don't see him but you love him. And that is seen, notice what he's saying here. He says, yet believing you rejoice. Again, you have a living hope. You know that heaven, you're bound to heaven. There's so much that you're going to inherit. And that's the reality that you have to keep raising your sights into this truth right here that, hey, you know what? My suffering is validated for my future. It's a purpose in what I'm going through. Look here, I believe this. This is so true, I believe, of your life. I believe God has so much more for you, for you to stay stuck, wallowing in your trial. There's so much more. There's so much purpose in your life. There's so much more in the future. And what happens is what the enemy can so often do is get in your mind in such a way that you isolate yourself that you stay inactive. Let me tell you, I'll tell you honestly, for me, when I see myself laying on the couch with the remote, I already know I'm not in a good place. Why? Not because TV is a bad thing, not at all. But I know me, and I'm really not a TV guy. And so when I see myself, I watch documentaries and stuff, but when I see myself documentary after documentary, I know there's something wrong with me. Because I have purpose. I got vision. I got stuff God's put in my heart. I'm not just working in the ministry. I'm working on my ministry. And so when I see like, oh, 
I got to go and reassess what's happening in my heart. Here, this is real. When you think about yourself, hey, see your regular rhythms when you're doing well with the Lord. When you sense, man, there's just this sweet intimacy. And when you see or notice your rhythm shift, find that place of refreshment once again. But it's trials that will try to take you off your course. Verse 10, it says, Of this salvation, the prophets having inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that um, would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who um, who was in them was indicating that when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow to, to them, sorry, to them it was revealed that um, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then he adds this little piece here, things which angels desire to look into. Again, I could spend another hour right here in just these verses, but the prophets of old searched carefully for what was to come through Jesus beforehand. What was to come through, to, through him? He's saying of this salvation they spoke of, or another word is deliverance. And here, that grace would come. And so they're looking forward to this. And so they're going through trials. They're going through difficulty. Hey, you look at somebody like Isaiah, and you see his life and all that he's gone through. But he's seeing this hope that is ahead to come. In there now, it's happening. It's fulfilled. It's unfolding. And so they got the revelation then. But notice here, it was bigger than them, the prophets. And that's what I think of when I think of you and I. How are we seeing the bigger picture? Do you realize what you and I are going through is bigger than ourselves? Because you see, your neighbor sees you going to church while they stay home at Pentecostal Pillow on Sunday morning. They see you going to church on Thursday. They see you carrying your Bible while other people, and I don't have no knockdown on this, while other people are walking only with a Bible on their phone. They see you marking up your Bible and taking notes with pen and pad. They see you. But they also see how you navigate through your trials. And you know when there's nobody else around, they know who to go to because they see you. Look. And say, yep, I'm going through this now. It ain't forever. It's for a little while. If needs be, can we sign up for that? If needs be. Here, look, understand, so that God can get glory. Here, understand, as you navigate and you walk, your story is not just for you. Your story is for somebody else. Your testimony, somebody put it like this, until there's a test, there's no testimony. There has to be a test in the testimony in order for you to go through it for somebody else to see and benefit from that very thing. And they're not the only ones looking. Notice on the back end, it says the angels are looking into us also, looking into you, looking into me. And I wonder, because the angels go some places that people don't. And I would just ask you, what do they see? What do they see? Who do they see? 
Here, look, understand, as we move on in this, verse 13, it says, therefore, do this. We've seen all that God is to us. We see all that we have and possess in him and who we are. And we see here in this passage and understand what the Lord has done for us, but now he gives us some instruction. Verse 13, it says, therefore, this is what you need to do. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to your former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, notice what it says, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And so this call that we see, number one, starts with this. It says, gird up. Y'all seen this before, heard this, I'm sure. If not, check it out. It's roll up your sleeve. Let's get serious. That's what he's saying here. It's time to lock in. You know, for you guys, uh, girls that play sports and stuff, you understand when it's game time, it's game time. And what I believe is how you practice is how you play. What happens in the secret place is going to come out in the public place. And here, look, understand, he says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And so he's saying, hey, gird up and sober up. And when you think of this sobering reality, he's saying, hey, you know what? You, you need to have a, a balanced thought process. Everything is not bad, guys. And sometimes there's some of us that are real, real hyper-pessimistic, while some people are just hyper-optimistic. Everything is just good, good. Everything's not, look, soberly, the reality, look, hey, positive confession. Like, no, the reality is, hey, I just hit my toe, it hurts, and that's real. Oh, that's negative. No, it hurts. Look, understand. He's saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. This is what you should do with your hope. It says, rest it fully on the grace that is brought by the revelation of Jesus. And so here, what do you think about when you see here? We have to, again, raise our sights. Because, again, the battle is where? In the mind. And so Peter is saying, hey, gird up. Get your mind together. Hey, sober up. Here, I wonder today, when you look at these words, because he says, hey, as obedient children, and remember, we started with this reality, right? The Holy Spirit calls us to live a life obedient to him. That's a sacrificial life, set apart. But watch this. He says here, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to your, I pray it's former lust. You got a relationship with Jesus? Oh, I, I was born in church. Were you born again? You could have been born and raised in church, 
have you been born again? Is that relationship your own salvation? Not your parents' salvation, not your grandparents' salvation, your own salvation. And here, as we look at this here, consider this for you because here he's saying, hey, don't conduct yourself in your former lusts as in your ignorance, as you didn't know. But God has called you. And so as he has called you and he is holy, he's saying, model me. You be holy in everything you do. What is holiness? What does holiness look like to you? You know, there's a call to biblical holiness, and I know it's not a common word in church, in many churches, but it's still a standard that God set. And it's still a call for us to live holy, set apart. Not to water down the truth of the gospel, not to water down the principles that God has called us to walk in, but to challenge our own self by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I desire to rise up to what you have called me to walk in. And here, look, understand, how do you see your spiritual growth into more Christ-likeness? Are you moving and conducting yourself with a healthy, godly fear? Here, as we wrap this up, in verses 18 down to 25, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, there goes that word again, received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these, time, in these last times for you, whom through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of men as the flowers of the grass and the grass withers and its flowers fall, um, fall away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And so when you see Peter, he's saying, hey, gird up the loins of your mind. Now you're seeing here, he's talking about your conduct. And even as my friend Dave Guzik points out, he says, it is the mind first, then from that place, your actions follow. And so consider that here as we see this come together. What he's saying here is, hey, you've been redeemed. You don't have to live in your aimless conduct anymore. Here the gospel is painted out throughout this. He says, hey, it's been with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without spot or blemish. You go back in Leviticus chapter 1, there's some beauty wrapped around all of this here. But you see here, watch this. He's saying, this is for you. This salvation, this rescue that Jesus has done for us in pulling us out of our aimless conduct. I know you thought you had a lot of thoughts and ideas when you were in the world. I know I did, but it was aimless. 
It's going, not, no, I'm going to get this. I'm going to do this. Now, that, none of that's happening. Look, but the truth of the matter is this. Since, verse 22, you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love, and that's my question to you today, have you, have you purified your soul in obeying the gospel? You know that you are a sinner and that Jesus has died for you and he's risen from the grave proving that he satisfied the judgment that you and me deserve, but maybe you come to Christian things but you yet to surrender your life to him. Maybe you're playing in both sides, but God is saying, hey, today it ends. It's the genuineness of your faith. I'm looking for. And he's saying here, it's not just you alone, but watch this. It goes together. And even if you read John's epistle, you'll see it also. Hey, you don't just love God. You love the brother also. And some of us can look at Christians and in their face, see them in church and see you. You nasty. Like, come on. Have fervent love for one another. You know how you do that? Start praying for one another. Start bearing one another's burdens. Start reaching out outside of church. Have real community, not just brushing shoulders um, from week in to week out. Oh, yeah, I see you. No, no, no. Have fervent love. You build that in relationship. You go to somebody's house, you know, you're, oh, okay, it doesn't have to be another Bible study. Let's take your Bible. Just play a game. Let's talk. Let's tell you about how life. Hey, you, you learn somebody's story. You got enough Bible study. You could have some coffee with somebody and it'd be okay. Oh, no, I got to break down this passage if I'm going to meet with somebody. No, you don't. It's okay. It's okay, guys. You have a living relationship with Jesus. You see, this is, look, I'm going to close with this, Rob. But this one truth I'm going to tell you that I recognize as an older parent now. My youngest is 17. But I know when my my oldest is 26, just got married. My second one is 24. And what I notice is in their young age, when dad was just supposed to be dad, dad was being pastor. This was before I was a pastor. Oh, no, we got to read the Bible. We, we got, hey, can we just play? And I learned that. And I got to own that. Now I'm trying to help. I can pass the baton. You're going to get married. You're going to have children. You're going to have a family. It's okay. You teach them things that the Lord has entrusted you with. But it doesn't just limit and end there. Play with your kids. Wrestle with them. It's okay. I don't know who this is for. I just feel compelled to be transparent and honest. in my shortcomings to help somebody, and maybe it's for your future, but look, right now, meet with people. Have real love with one another. Genuine love. You know what also love has? When you have true love for your brother and sister? You honor their purity. You wait because that's fervent love. You go through that for a little while, burning, so that they could be better in the future. 
Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time that we can come together. I pray for anyone here that has yet come to know you. And they would um, have the real conversation. I know church, but I don't know relationship with Jesus. And if everybody here is well with you, God, well in their soul, I pray that they would be exhorted to take the next step closer to you. Whatever you've spoken to us through your Holy Spirit tonight, I pray, Lord, that we would take action in it. As you have empowered us by your Holy Spirit. These are dark days. Help us to gird up the loins of our mind and be sober, not fooling around with the things of the world. I pray your Holy Spirit's power to empower this generation to leave a lasting mark in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys.